Uh, well, we're continuing our series of, of our core values and our vision and our mission as Restoration Fellowship as we're entering into this new year. So the last few weeks, the elders have kind of broken down our vision, which is to glorify God as we walk in faith, rejoice in hope, and are known by love. And uh, I, I think we still have some of these in the back. I would highly encourage just to grab them, just to hold on to just this specific sheet for the next couple of months as we go through this. Um, we're kind of kicking off the practicals of going into our core values. And uh, last week, the, the elders kind of broke down our mission statement, which is to gather, equip, and commission the disciples of Jesus. And that was really taken from a high level of where they got that from biblically, some of the practicals around where it comes from. And this week we're going to go into what we do, which is breaking that down even further into today. What does this look like to gather, equip, and commission? <clears throat> so let's pray and we'll hop in. Jesus, we glorify you. And Father, we say that you're holy. And we just give you this morning, we thank you that, that uh, you've allowed us to gather today as a body corporately uh, to worship your name and to read your scriptures. And I pray that you'd breathe on the word this morning um, as we're encouraged today in Jesus' name. So as we're moving deeper into our destiny uh, with practical steps on how we walk out our mission, uh, we desire to use the entirety of our vision document to know what to say yes to and what to say no to. And what I mean by that is as we're going through even as a body of, of what ministries to be involved with, who to partner with, and, and how to manage um, our resources together. We want to use this document as a compass to say if we are on or if we're off. And so, so in this what we do of gathering, equipping, and commission, this is kind of the foundation of, okay, can we put a ministry or an activity or a resource that we're doing as a body into one of these categories? And if we cannot, is this something that we need to spend time with, or is this something that we need to move on with grace? And our goal in shared leadership is to stir one another up in a biblical foundation, the spiritual disciplines and the gifts of the Spirit, and kind of all in equal aspects as we're growing into those in, in, in the fullness of what the Lord has called us into. Because um, each of us has something to bring to the table. I have giftings. My wife, Breezy, has other giftings. Matt, Kayla, you know, every one of us has something unique to bring. And not always does it mean that the gifting is going to shine up here. This is just an aspect of walking in the body of Christ. <clears throat> and, and what that means, though, and what, what a lot of what I'm going to call us into as a body today is we cannot be just partakers but we have to bring something to the table as well. We must be bold and put ourselves in the place of submission under our leadership. And what that means sometimes is not being passive, but it's being active in the Word of God and active in what the Lord has called you to. And we are not lone wolves, but, but we walk as a body together in love. And I think that's been, um, that's something that unfortunately has been a reality of living in the mountains is we attract a lot of pioneers and pioneers go it alone they they got it they're gonna they're gonna haul their water they're gonna do the solar panel thing and they're gonna say I'm, I'm good I don't need you because if I need you that means I'm relying on you and that means hurt is connected with me relying on you 
And so I want to encourage us as we're walking through these three aspects to not be in the lone wolf mentality, but this is a how do I come alongside and we walk this out together. And as we're part of this greater body of Christ in Pagosa and in Colorado, in America, in the greater world, this is, we're just an aspect. We're not, this is it. Like this is the, this is the church, this is the whole body of Christ. We are a part of something so much greater. And we need to understand that and understand our portion and bless those others that are walking in their portion. Um, and we encourage one another in this aspect in the destiny. So let's start out with, um, with gather. And, and uh, one of the verses um, for this kind of gather box, if you will, is Hebrews 10.25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as in the manner of some, lone wolves, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And so this day... <clears throat> And we believe that we're living in these key times, you know, or, or at least we're closer today than we were yesterday, all right? We can at least agree on that, that we are in the days living that, that it's approaching of the return of Jesus and the fullness of the gospel, because that's, that is the good news. That's the hope of what we believe in, is that Jesus is coming back. The cross is amazing, but that's the first step and the first aspect of the gospel. The fullness of the gospel is that our hope actually lies in the kingdom that's coming. And so as we're getting closer to that day, the, what, what the writer of Hebrews is saying is this needs to start happening more. The gathering of yourself and the encouragement and the admonishment needs to, to, to both grow. And I don't think that this means that we put on a show because we think Jesus is coming soon. But instead, we have something that we're looking towards in the race that Christ calls us into. So I want to talk about some practicals of what does that mean when we talk about gathering. And so, so first, we're going to talk about Sunday morning. This is the low-hanging fruit, right? The corporate gathering. It's real easy. All right, I can choose one day a week to gather with brothers and sisters in Christ on a Sunday morning for an hour and a half to worship, to hear the word, and to be involved. And, uh, and this can also be a Thursday night worship nights. These are prayer meetings. Th- these are all in corporate settings. And what I mean by that is that there's, there's not a lot of, I'm going to talk, and then you're going to talk, and this guy's over here, they're going to talk. It's, it's most of the time in corporate settings is there's a reading of the word, or there's a, the playing of music, or there's a prayer leader, and you as the congregation have to be engaged together in heart and in spirit and in mind with something that's happening. That's what corporate gathering is. And so anything that you can kind of put underneath that is corporate gathering. And so this is such an amazing way um, for us to be together. And again, I said this earlier, but, (coughs) excuse me, Um, it's not that we are sitting here and just listening, though. It's, It's an engagement of heart. And, and, and as this is breaking down in Hebrews is that it's, it's encouraging one another. So that little five minutes that we get to greet each other, or if it's, if it's even, amen, brother, preach the word, you know? So it's, it's that encouraging and this pulling back and forth that is, is what Hebrews is talking about. Uh, but this is an aspect of the gathering. 
Corporate engagement. So showing up is not enough. We must be engaged with our spirits and minds to bring something to the table when we gather together. So what that means, sometimes you can come, like you have permission to come messy. I'm not saying come perfect, come prepared. You can come messy to corporate gatherings. But if it happens every single week, maybe go back to your foundations because sometimes someone else is going to have a mess and you got to be the one with a shoulder to cry on, and you better have a clean jacket, okay? Nobody wants to cry into a smelly jacket. Brush your teeth, you know what I mean? And so, so sometimes you can be in the mess, sometimes you got to be the one that brushes your teeth and cleans your jacket, but it can be both because we're in this together. It's encouraging one another. So, so this is asking um, sometimes the Lord, like when you're sitting out here, asking the Lord for an encouraging word of, Lord, I'm going to go to church today, and I mostly feel like I just sit there. I raise my hands, and I, and I say amen, but I'm not engaged in encouraging the body. And sometimes that means, Lord, I'm going to go today, and I would love to encourage someone today. Would you give me a word? Would you, would you give me um, someone that I can, I can actually reach out to and encourage today? And he will. Like when we ask that and we go out on a limb, sometimes it's just like a quick thought. You say that, and... Um, and, and a name comes to mind of, man, Austin, God, I thought about Austin this weekend. I have got to make sure to at least go and hug Austin today because he was on my mind. That's it. Like the littlest aspects of being engaged in our spirit and with ourselves is what this corporate engagement is looking like. And, uh, and the Lord, again, calls us to freely give as we freely receive. And that's such a great word. So let's turn to Matthew 10. And we're going we're gonna to kind of look at this in, in the aspect of Jesus sending out the 12. And so I'm, this is, you know, we're, we're out of the corporate a little bit, but we're talking about freely giving and freely receiving and in the context of what Jesus is calling. So, so the disciples were, spent a lot of time with Jesus. He, was, he called them out from wherever they were, out of vocations, out of areas that they were. He spent time with them equipping, and then this is where he was commissioning them out. And he's talking about kind of some instructions on what to do in 5 and 6. And then in 7 it says, And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Verse 8, Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, so freely give. And so what he's saying here is that, hey, I've been, I've been spending a lot of time with you. You guys are messy. Still, you are in a mess, but you're equipped now. Like, there's something that you can actually bring to the table. And so as you're coming, not only freely give, but freely receive. And I think that's, like, for me, that's a hard thing for me to do is to receive. Because I, I you know, I, I want to give. Like, I, I feel like, man, that's, that's the highest calling is if I can give, 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 give. But the Lord also says, hey, as you're giving, make sure to freely receive. Be, oh, man, I, I don't need that. That's too much. That's, no, freely receive because that's the honor that the Lord is calling us into. And so in a corporate engagement setting, as you're giving the word, also freely receive the word. And what that means sometimes is like, well, Rory, I'm not going to reject a word. Yeah, but you could be somewhere else in your mind. Fully engaged in that moment, if someone is coming to you with, a, with an encouraging word, if it's a baby believer going to a mature believer and it doesn't make any sense, I don't care. Engage in that moment. Freely receive as you're freely giving. So that's some, some corporate gathering. 
The next, the next aspect that we're going to look at is a little bit more intimate, and it's in the life group setting. And in the context of the Acts Church, they corporate gathered, they went to the temple still because they were predominantly Jews, and they also broke bread together in the houses, and we, and we looked at that a little bit last week as Justin was kind of breaking down the different aspects of, of bread. If you, ha- if you missed last week, I would highly encourage, listen to last week's message, um, uh, and it's, it's on our website and, and other places. So Life Group is the place where we gather at Restoration to go deeper. Like if we don't really, we don't have the memberships here, um, but we do have is Life Groups. And when we say, hey, are you part of Restoration? What Life Group are you part of? And that's kind of the first aspect that we dive into is, is, is that's the place where we go deep. It's a share and to break bread together, to practice the gifts of the Spirit, to encourage, to pray and intercede, and to ask the hard questions and go deeper in the Word. And part of community living is healthy conflict. <clears throat> and we'll get into that in a sec. But Acts 2, 42 through 47, that's kind of our, our life group mantra, if you will. And that's such a, that's such a fun, <laughs> fun verse because it's something that we're not necessarily living in. And I don't know of anyone that's living this verse, but it's something that we're going towards, Right? And so in Acts 2, starting out in 42, it says, And then they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one another in the temple and in breaking of bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and the simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily to those who were being saved. So, <clears throat> so this aspect of, of bringing people into your house, and this is why I believe like groups are great. If they get too big and can't be in a house, we're moving into corporate gathering scenarios. So what I would encourage uh, any life group that is gathering is meet in a home. And uh, Breezy and I, we, we realized this before kids, um, is we, ha- we hosted life group for a long time at our house. And what we found is like kind of through the week, we'd get messy. And then life group would come in like, dang, like we got 10 people coming over to the house. Like we got to clean. Like we got to really clean. We can't just put stuff in closets because Lord knows that new guy's going to come over and open the door and everything's going to fall on him. So it's like, we got to clean, we got to clean well every single week. And, and for us, it was, it was one of those moments of like, oh man, that could preach, you know? It's like, if, if we invite people to the intimate aspects of our life, we are going to stay clean. But if it's, again, going back to that, the, the reason the, the lone wolf doesn't work in this aspect is if you're not inviting people into your house, you become okay with the mess of yourself. And the dirty laundry, it's like, man, that's okay. Like, I'm, like, I'm just going to wait for the few more dishes to get into the, the sink before I wash it because I don't want to waste water, you know? Like, I want to do it right. But all of a sudden, it's like, man, you have this consistent aspect of inviting people into your lives, and then it starts becoming cleaner. And then you're like, man, that, that, that hole, that Declan put in the wall, I need to patch that because it looks horrible every time I, you know. So it's like all of a sudden, I'm, I'm up there at 10 o'clock on Tuesday night, patching it so it can dry the next morning so I can paint. You know, so all, there's all these things that when we invite people into our lives and in our homes, 
they start having a consistency of cleanliness. And this is where conflict comes in. And, well, I, I'm going to pause there because I, I, I wrote in my notes here, um, last night I read, I'm reading um, John Eldridge's Wild at Heart. Has anyone read that? Yeah, great book. If you have, as a man, as a father, if you haven't read that book, read it. <clears throat> so, uh, he's talking through, John Eldridge is talking through men and how we have a hard time with wounds and dealing with the, just being vulnerable um, and, and, and coming to the self that, that we actually have wounds that we need to allow to be healed. Um, and again, kind of going back to that thing, if you're inviting people into your lives, you're going to have these wounds that are like, man, this is, there's a hole in your drywall and we got to patch it up. If you don't know how to patch it, let me help you. You know, I, I can go to the hardware store. And there's this quote that I was weeping over for like an hour last night. <laughs> it says, a wound unfelt is a wound unhealed. In the simple prayer of Jesus, take me into my wound. And he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And so just this simple little phrase of if, you're not, if you don't understand the wound or the reality of your life, you're not allowing people to be fully in, into your home and into your heart. And this is where life group is so important as a gathering aspect of what we're called into. So the conflict comes when you're inviting people into your life and they see something that's off. And they say, hey, I'm going to conflict you about this until we're unified. And same thing, if you have a problem in your own heart of unforgiveness, the conflict comes where I am going to take you aside and ask for your forgiveness because I have something in my, my, my heart that needs to be, to be cleaned, for the, the whole to be patched. And without conflict, unity is merely complacency. And I believe that wholeheartedly, that without conflict, unity is merely complacency because we allow each other and we allow ourselves to not be conflicted to be better right? And so life group is a place where, man, we're going to get into this, and in six months from now, I am going to bear my soul. Like this week in our life group, we had such, we had one of those experiences where we're sharing, and it was like, hey, so-and-so, share about that really hard thing that you went through this weekend. And we're sitting there weeping, and for the first time, they're like, man, I have never shared that. Thank you for calling me into something deeper, and so that's where life group has to be. And it starts with one person. And if you're going to say to me, Rory, like my life group, we don't really do that. Like we are real surface level. We talk about how our kids are, our grandkids, and we eat some food. Then maybe you're the problem, right? It starts with you of, guys, I am not okay. And this is not okay. And, and being able to engage in that conflict to where we can move forward. Feeling the freedom to approach one another with hurts, correction and honest feelings and this obviously must be done from a place of love an equally important aspect is being open to correction with humility which means if if a brother comes to me and says rory man how you handled that situation was not right you didn't handle that person right i can have one of two responses one i can be offended i can be closed off or i can say man i'm going to take this in front of the lord and, uh, and I'm going to pray about this. If, if this is true, I, I repent. And being quick to repent 
because there's a reality of hurts, and there's also a reality of our perspectives. And so being in that place of humility to have correction. And if the correction is not biblical or is not true, the empowering part is going back to that person and saying, hey, man, I appreciate you being vulnerable. I know that's hard to have conflict. I don't believe that it was biblical, and here's why I think that is. But I want to be engaged in this conflict with you so we can heal together. So if I hurt your feelings and you're using this in another way, I apologize. And taking that conflict with both sides need to have humility, but both sides need to come together so that we can grow well. So this is, this is gathering, okay? Gathering is messy. Gathering is beautiful. And it's something that we need. All right, let's hop into the next phase, which is equipping. So the first is proximity. We have got to have proximity to equip. So um, I'm going to have, I, I talked to a couple of people um, to come up here and help me. And it looks like some of them are already gone, which is okay. So Mark, if I can have you come up. Austin. Um, let's see here. Matt. Um, Hannah, come on up. Yeah, girl. Tony, just, yeah, actually, I want to, right here so we can get out on the camera for those that aren't here. So what I'm going to talk through, come on upstairs, guys. <clears throat> so equipping in the context of shared leadership looks more like a chain and less like a pyramid. So, so what I want you guys to do, go ahead and link arms. And so what equipping is, is actually this, okay? So instead of me saying, hey guys, we're going this way and we're all leading together and one by one and we're going to follow this way. What it looks like is when Mark moves, he's got the strength of others to move with him. Or if Austin moves, okay, or if Tony's not feeling well today and she falls down, she's got two strong men. And, and if Mark's not quite strong enough, I'm here too, okay? So this is the shared aspect of leadership of equipping actually looks more like this and less like Rory's going to get up and teach today and I'm going to tell you guys how to be better, and then you're going to go out and do it. What it actually looks like is together, Mark's going to have a perspective on equipping, and Tony is as well with her experiences, and Austin, and all the way down the line, and I would, I would have had a couple of kids up here today, but they are as well. They're going to teach you something about the spirit and faith, and you're going to be equipped in the faith of a child, not just the guy that has the college degree preaching the word, Right? I don't have a college degree, by the way, so um, thank you guys so much. Appreciate it. So this is the aspect of equipping, is the equipping of the saints is actually unified in, I'm going to share my strength with you together. You don't have to go it alone. We don't have to wait on the guy that seemingly has it all together, or the gal that's up preaching the word. This is just an aspect of, of what we have to give, and we are a mess, just because we're up here doesn't mean we have it together. It means I walked in and I had to yell at my kids this morning. And I had to apologize because I let my anger get the best of me. And I'm up here because we're equipping the saints together. So when we add to the body, we link together and encourage one another in foundational teachings and in spiritual gifts and spiritual disciplines. And so, so what, that, what that means as well is I'm going to go back to, there's a corporate aspect of, hey, we're setting good doctrine. That's what the elders, when they, they say, hey, you know, teaching team, this is what we'd like to go after. They pray into, this is the doctrine that we believe in, okay? 
So there's sound doctrine that's coming through here, hopefully. And then life group is where, all right, let's get a little messy. Let's work on prophecy. Let's work on teaching. Let's all give our gifts to one another so that we can equip one another to move forward. And to equip in this context means that we must be a strong link. And again, that doesn't mean that because there's one weak link, the whole thing is, is broken. This is a spiritual link. But what that means, if you are the, strong, the, the weak link, that means you cannot sit back and just observe. You have to be engaged in your heart and in your spirit. And we've heard the difference between the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea. I mean, this has been talked about since, you know, Sunday school. And it's so fascinating because it's so true, and I love that, that there's these two ideas that you can kind of go back and forth. The, the Sea of Galilee, which is a freshwater lake, and a lot smaller in person than you'd realize. Um, and then you have the Dead Sea down, you know, I don't know, maybe like 30 miles away. And so the difference is the Dead Sea only has things coming into it, okay? It has all these tributaries that feed into it, and it's dead because the salt content is so high. And then you have the Sea of Galilee who has inlets and it has outlets. It's filled with fish. It's filled with life. It's beautiful. And, and those are the two aspects of you have to freely receive and you have to freely give. And um, I, I, uh, I was talking to Breezy about this the other night, and uh, she was Googling it. She's like, man, this is crazy. The Dead Sea is nine times more salty than the regular ocean. And, 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 and honestly, guys, that's what happens. If we are people that just receive and you know those people, they're usually pretty salty, right? Like, they're just sitting there like, man, dude, like, you need Jesus. And so that's part of it. You need Jesus, but you also got to give it as well. He's going to give you something to give away. And so that's the equipping. So the next, next, next aspect of this, and what I'm in, I'm in number three under equip and, and, uh, and C, and it's serving from the place of rest. And, and this is a commandment set aside. Like, this, this is the only of the one of the Ten Commandments that we think it's okay to break, right? And that's not okay. Like, we have got to live in that place of Sabbath, in that place of rest, where we're okay. That was a day for me. Breezy was going out. She was, took, took Declan out to ski, and then she had a girls' night. And she was like, babe, how was your day? I was like, man, it was awesome. I didn't, I didn't leave. I couldn't leave. I had the two little ones, and I just rested all day. And, and that was something that I don't do often because it's like, man, we got to do, we got to go. There's, there's always something to do. And the Lord is inviting us into take a day and be with me to rest so that you can give of yourself. If we don't rest and we feel like we're overwhelmed, probably start with Sabbath and then reevaluate. And then if you're still feeling overwhelmed, there might be something deeper going on. But, but serving from a place of rest and a good rule of thumb um, if you're wondering how to Sabbath, of like, what is, what is the con? Do I have to do like what the Bible says and make my food beforehand and all this stuff? And it comes down to really two aspects. Is it restful and is it holy? And if, and if it can ch- check those two boxes, go for it. So for some people, it's like, man, I just want to hit Wolf Creek and shred it up. If that's restful for your soul and that's holy for you, then do that. If you're not a great skier and you're cussing up and down the mountain, probably don't do that. You know what I mean? So, but for me, like I sit in the office all day. So, so for me, restfulness is going into my garage and organizing or building something. 
Um, for those that build something, sometimes it's reading a book, and it's, it's just getting into that place where you're, you have a rhythm of rest so that you can give to the body the fullness of what the Lord has called you into. The 2.5 rule. So one of our oversight committee, uh, Bill Eddy, when we were going through this restructure, we had several calls. He was gracious enough to give a lot of his time um, when we were going through our restructuring. And he encouraged us with this, is, is they have a rule at their home church in Spain, and it's the 2.5 rule. And so what that means is you can serve on Sunday morning, or you can attend. on. So that's, that's one, either serving or attending on Sunday morning. The next one is you can lead or be in leadership in another ministry. And then the half is you can attend. So like, let's say that you lead and serve um, the food pantry. And then you attend a life group, but you cannot lead that. So they have, a, they have a strict policy where everyone is encouraged. Make sure you have that 2.5, but also make sure you don't have 10 so that you can give of yourself. And there's this shared aspect of if you're not serving, and, and we don't really have a policy uh, that in restoration, but this is something that we're moving into. Of if you're serving too much, that means that you're, you're taking spots away from someone that might have that gifting. If you're serving too little, you're not being a part of the body. And so getting into that place of I'm going to rest, but I'm also going to step into the identity of who I am. And the areas to serve, and so, and I had the, the administration team, um, they, they, there's some stuff in the back for signups, but there are areas that we can actually plug in and serve because what this means in equipping, and for me, the best way for me to learn is to teach. And so if you're going to be involved in Restoration Kids and, and you want to learn some more, I learn every time I go over there, those little bitty like, uh, you know, Bible study things that are like on John 3, 16, I learn something new about the scripture every single time I teach the kids. And it's like, man, I want to get deeper into the word. Get over there, guys. Start teaching the kids. Michael and those guys, that team over there, they had a blast. They played and they, they, they engaged with the kids' hearts and that equipped them to be excited to come to church. And so there's those aspects of restoration kids and nursery. The screens and the sound, the creative, the stuff that we need just to make this run, all of these aspects, and I've listed out on the notes of areas to serve and get involved, I encourage you, as we're moving into this equipping stage of life in our church, is we need everybody engaged. Even if you feel like, man, I'm a baby Christian, I don't, I don't know about this. Great, then just be involved with being discipled. It, it can be as simple as that because we need to move into the place where we're encouraging one another, that strong length that we're moving back and forth. And so I encourage you guys to move into this aspect of, of equipping, and we have a lot of needs that have not been met. Um, but I don't know if you guys saw, there was like 30 or 40 kids up here this morning, which is awesome. I mean, we don't, not a lot of churches have that, and I don't know if you guys realize that, but, but having the, the gap that we have infants and that we have the older generation all in one building is huge, and that, that, that's showing a lively church. So we are called to serve, and uh, we did a, a message, uh, I think it was last year, um, about the unity of the wise and the, gra- or the, wise and the zealous, talking about uh, it, the proverb of the, the, the gray-haired men and the young that has the zealous but not a lot of wisdom, right? 
And out of that, what I came to the, the conclusion is the greatest lie that has plagued the universal body of Christ is the lie of retirement. Where we're working towards something, we've worked hard, like, man, I am so close to retirement or I am in retirement, I'm hanging it up. Man, I put in my time, you kids take it from here. Like, I put in the work. But we are in a race. The hardest part of the race is the last portion because you are expended, you have ran that dumb track 30 times or however long the race is and you're there at the very end, you're like, man, I've done really great. 29 laps. I think I'm going to just sit this one out. But no, the Lord had calls us to run the race well that is in front of us. And we are made to, to run that race till the end. And there's, there's two ends, guys. One is death, and the other is return of Jesus. There's no other option, unless we just want to hang it up and, and walk away from the Lord. But we have got to run the race that is set before us. So what I'm calling you into, and I'm specifically talking to the retirees right now, what I'm calling you into is run the race well, be engaged where you're at, be here, be engaged, take someone alongside you that maybe is on lap five and say, hey, this is hard. Let's run this a couple more times together. But you have to be engaged. We need that. But we also need the zeal, that that. Lap number five, man, I'm feeling good. I don't even need a water break yet, right? But this zeal that comes and the wisdom of the laps that have already been, if they're unified together, we can run the race before us well together because we need both. We need the wisdom of, hey, man, you might want to slow your pace a little bit because you're going to cramp up around lap 10. But I need to pick up my pace. So this aspect of, of equipping is this, Okay. And I want to pause and just say that equipping doesn't only happen in the body, but it also happens in the home. And, and, and so, so I've talked to the old, I want to talk to the fathers for a second. And, and husbands, when we're equipping our households with our wives, with our children, there is a specific mantle that he's placed on us to equip our households. And that it leads from that place of humility, it leads from that place of conflict, that we know how to do all of those things well to be in the word. If your wife is begging you for a quiet time in the morning, boy, you better be up five minutes before she is preparing for that quiet time. We're called into leading our household well. So the last paragraph there, and then we'll move on to a commission. So we've talked a lot about um, just experiencing the, the turmoil of, uh, you know, as we're getting into spiritual attacks and stuff, and I'm going to venture to say that if you're not experiencing turmoil in the spirit, you know, I'm not saying every second of every day, but if there are not spiritual attacks that you're feeling of it, man, this life is hard, I would venture to say that you are not a threat to the enemy. And that's hard, that, that was hard for me to write because that's hard for me to say because like, man, I can think about times in my life where I was just cruising. And I look back at those, it's like, man, that's, that wasn't actually the best thing for my life. I needed that turmoil and to know that I'm fighting against something that, that the Lord has called me into. So count it all joy in James 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 2. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. 
All right, commission, then we're going to close this out. <clears throat> so the deep well of Restoration Fellowship, we have sent, we've been ascending church for decades. And, and in the last few years, it's been a little rough. Um, we haven't sent a lot. We, we've really just kind of been in, in, uh, in uh, survival mode. But over the years, I was doing a quick count when I was writing these notes, we've sent over 80 people through YWAM over the last 30 years. That's, that's one of the larger, largest or, uh, missions organizations in the world. And our little body, we, this has been about the average size that, since I've been here, 80 people have gone through YWAM. And some have stayed there long term and are still in the field. And that's, that is so cool that we can say that as, as, a, as a small body. But we've moved away from that a little bit. Because I feel like we've, we've neglected our own body. We've neglected the equipping of the saints here, of our children. And I believe the Lord is bringing us into a time that is for a season of intentional equipping. Through our focus, our time, and our resource. And it doesn't mean that we're neglecting the commission it means that right now we probably need to focus on getting ourselves healthy with our resources and with our time to say, hey, we can then move into this. So our goal in restoration is to get our body healthy once more, to pour in finances, resources, to equip the saints. But it, it's got to start with our sphere of influence here in Pagosa. If we're not transforming our community, there ain't no way we're going to transform Mexico or India or the places that we have missionaries because we're not healthy to send people there. So the focus right now is that getting ourselves into the place. I'm going to wrap it up with this is giving place for testimony. We, uh, something that uh, Pastor Al, who was our, he was our, our pastor for like 26 years or something, and something that he did really well that I believe that we are, are entering into a new time of his testimony he would get up people. I remember uh, Breezy and, and her friends from college, they were having kind of a mini revival. And so on one Sunday morning, I think we had Pastor Daniel here. Pastor Daniel gave a testimony. He said, hey, Breezy, tell us about what's happening in, in Pueblo community, or uh, uh, CSU Pueblo, and what the Lord is doing on the campus there. And then we had our Ohana house here in town where we, we served young men that needed Jesus. Hey, Ryan and Rory, get up here, tell us about what's going on in Ohana House. And so there's testimony of the Lord is actually healing the sick in college campuses. The Lord is actually encountering young men here in Pagosa. The Lord is actually encountering people in India being persecuted by Muslims. And that testimony goes out and they're like, all right, yeah, we can do this. We can do this. I can minister to the guy that I work with. I can minister to the guy on the lift. I can, I can even tell you guys the, the, most, the, the best times of outreach that I've had is sitting on the ski lift going up the mountain with a guy offering me to smoke a bong. And, and the Lord, you know, and, it's, and right there in that moment, the Lord's encountering that man's heart because he's looking for truth, right? All right, not today, Satan. The commission is not always that we're going to Mexico or going to the lost in other countries, which is an aspect of the Great Commission. 
It means that today in Pagosa, in Archuleta County, that we have got to bring the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ to our community and our spheres of influence first before we can go out. And so that's what, we, that's what we're called into. So do not forsake testimony. Give your testimony in life group. Give your testimonies. And we, I'm not, when I say testimony, I don't mean how you came to know, the G, to know Jesus, but to remember what the Lord has done so that he can bring the power that has already happened and then build on that for the future. That, hey, the Lord, I saw someone. I held a kid in my hand in Africa and his eyes turned from a white that he was blind from birth. This kid was like five years old. And then I saw them fall off as I was holding this child in Africa. And then I bring that testimony back here and it's like, holy cow, I know somebody that's blind. And I, want, I all of a sudden have the faith that I can pray over them until they are healed so that they can know the power of Christ, that we serve a God that is all powerful. And if we believe that we walk that out as we're doing this. All right, we're going way over time. So I apologize, guys. So I'm gonna end there and I wanna invite the ministry team on. We'll, we'll uh, have Matt come up. And I just wanna spend some time meditating on this of we are called to gather, which we're doing right now, okay? And I wanna have an engaged uh, ministry time. And so if I can ask you guys, let's go ahead and stand up. So we are gathered and we're going to equip each other for, for just a couple of minutes. So I want you to, you know, get like, don't, if you're in a group uh, of someone that you know, get with the group, like get, you know, two or three people that you know, two or three people that you don't. Let's go, I'm, I'm at, let's go, let's move. And actually get into groups. And I want you guys to actually pray over one another. Say, hey, how can I pray for you? Just give me like a, just a couple of words that I can pray over you. And let's equip each other right now um, some people might be very uncomfortable with this. That's, they've never prayed over people. Some people are very comfortable with this. Share your strength. We are linked up, okay? 